Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Who's Felicia? See, I'm just giving uh, Chris another NFT. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PEDCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 51 of 2021, and I am super excited to no longer be shadow banned on LinkedIn. Shout out to Michelle. Thank you for commenting on my post to let me know I'm no longer shadow banned. I'm Chris Louie, and with me, I have my co-host Brian Deach, who despite all of the stuff he posts, never gets shadow banned. Well, that's because I keep it semi, you know, semi-objective, right? I'm not trying to you know, get shadow banned. I'm just kidding. But on that note, and our, and our listeners, a big shout out to Chris, uh, who was listening to the Happy Thanksgiving episode and his feedback on uh, you know, what it takes to stay motivated. So thank you for that, Chris. I appreciate it. And Glenn Medina, who came in clutch and got me a shipment of firewood when I needed it. Hey everyone, welcome back and thanks for joining us. Happy to be back for podcast number 39. Uh, no problem getting you the firewood, Chris. For those of us that do not live in the city, we do have access to real wood here and not the kind you buy in a bag or a box. Uh, up here, we buy wood by the truckload. You buy a quart, but I don't understand. Why does Chris, who lives in a condo, need firewood right now? I'm confused. Or is this for the new pad? This would be for the new pad that actually has a backyard. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's got a solo stove, and I love that stove. That is an awesome source of heat in the wintertime. Out- outdoor heat, excuse me. So, You should definitely try to get a sponsorship. Thank yeah. you. How much is a quart of uh, wood nowadays, or a truckload, as you put it? A quart of wood, you know, pre-pandemic, it was probably going for about 150 Right now, it's it's up to about three, three and a quarter. Talking about when inflation. Was, yeah, when I was young, we used to go out and, and cut wood, and uh, I have I have a different stepfather now, but I had I had one that was kind of in between, and this guy was like a psychopath. I just remember one time, he, like he climbed up this mountain, and he was like he, he was like chopping down oak, but he had like a you know chainsaw. And I'm just standing down there. I'm like maybe like 12 years old. He's and I, I just hear him. He's like, "All right, here it comes!" And like he's rolling down these logs. They're coming at me like 100 miles per hour. And there's no way I'm stopping it, right? Like I just I'm like, "What in the God's green earth is going on?" This son of a gun <laughs> starts wheeling him down like a crazy person. He tags the truck like five times uh, before he stops. And like, he's like, "Why didn't you stop?" I'm like, "That could have been me, man." Like we were breaking window, like. Door was like you wouldn't even open the door anymore. Like I don't know what he was thinking. He's a crazy person. Yeah. Hey, but shout out to Pete Marengo over at Epic Machines. So uh, thank you, uh, Pete, for giving me a, a a truckload of wood as well. So he saved me a couple hundred dollars on that in that round. All right. Thank you, Pete. No guests this week. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate but to entertain. We've got. Four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This week's episode will be more chill, and we'll see how many InfoSec stories we actually get into. Alright, for our opening topic, this is our last episode before we celebrate the Christmas holidays and the penultimate episode of 2021, so Merry Christmas everyone! We hope you have a happy and safe holiday celebration this year. Closing the loop on a story we did last week about the AirTags and Android phones, it just so happens that Apple just released an app for Android that allows Android users to scan for rogue AirTags that might be following them. 
there are some complaints that it's buggy and you have to do a manual scan for the AirTag. So unlike the iPhone, which automatically scans all the time, on Android, you have to manually scan. And there's no way to save known good AirTags. So if you legitimately have one that's following you, there's no way to mark it as a benign AirTag. So it's definitely a V1 product, but at least they're getting there. Way to be inclusive, right? I mean, wanting them to figure out that you can use Apple devices with Android, that's, that's a good start. Look at um, you know Apple taking a page out of our book, an all-around good guy making apps for your your competitor. I like it. Yeah, how awkward is that? Like the job posting on the Apple website, they're looking for an Android developer. <laughs> for real, well, it's the same thing with Microsoft, right? They're like, we need to make Microsoft for Mac, <laughs> or I'm sorry, Office for Mac, right? That, that must have been an awkward moment as well. I bet you you'll probably have more people at Microsoft running Mac devices than you do have at Apple running Windows. I would say that's probably true. What do you guys think? I don't think it would be like a huge population in either swing, but I don't I don't think there's anyone over at Apple rocking, you know, a Dell Inspiron laptop. <laughs> I just don't see that happening. You're right. <laughs> well, okay. So if anyone out there in Apple land has a device that's running other something other than Apple or Linux, please let us know. Love to hear about love it. Love to hear about it from you. Can you imagine someone at Apple running like a Chromebook? It's like what what kind of world do we live in? Someone <laughs> at working at Apple you rocking a Chromebook? I don't see it happening. Prove us wrong though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Prove definitely. us wrong. Give us some feedback, guys and gals. Well, I'm happy to announce I'm no longer shadow banned from LinkedIn. Either our listeners lobbied on my behalf enough, my ban timer expired, or LinkedIn only filtered on certain phrases like flat earth. But I'm back, baby. I think we can forever refer to episode 37 as the lost episode because if it isn't posted on LinkedIn, it never happened. So, so what do you, I mean, we've got other avenues of, of posting, right? So I guess we need to figure out another, another location for us to post other than LinkedIn. Do we need to go to Instagram or Facebook or meta somewhere in, in meta world? So we are on Instagram and I actually checked the analytics for episode 37 and uh, there was no, no noticeable drop. So thankfully my shadow ban on LinkedIn didn't give us a drop in listenership. So thank you, the listener, for sticking with us. Even when we talk about controversial topics such as Flat Earth, we do appreciate you. Yeah, definitely. And just in time for Christmas, I actually I have some really exciting news. So you guys know I love you guys, my co-host. And we, as hosts, we love our listeners. And I'm always trying to find ways to improve the show and do something new. So over the holiday break that's coming up, I'm going to be working on a few things, but be sure to follow us on Instagram at Pebcac Podcast because I'm going to start posting things like audiograms and Instagram stories. Yes, I'm still learning how to do the whole story thing, and Brian's going to get notifications left and right every time I have to post something and delete it because I messed up, and I will get things right eventually. Yeah, I noticed that today had like like five notifications i'm like wow i'm popular today nope it's just chris testing stuff out on me <laughs> yeah wait a minute hold on here why do i feel left out is it because i don't have an instagram account that's exactly why you're left out you can't be included unless you're on instagram i guess i need to go get an account now so it's like all right. right you can't you can't win if you don't play that's right must be present to win right exactly so, i gotcha 
The other exciting announcement I have, which is the first time my co-hosts are hearing about this, is that the PebCap podcast has officially gone NFT. We have our own NFT. I thought it would be appropriate to take episode 35 of our podcast, which is the episode where we covered and discussed NFTs, and I converted it into an NFT. So that means we are on the Ethereum blockchain for all time. I don't have any plans for it right now other than immortalizing us on the blockchain, but if you're interested in purchasing episode 35 of the PebCAC podcast, we are accepting preemptive offers in the low to mid six figures to stop the auction. Otherwise, find us on OpenSea. Can I get so, a copy of that NFT? I, I just want to know, as a as a as a co-host here, can I get a copy of that? What what do I have to do? And yes, six figures is good, but I think it's seven, like two commas, right? The only way to get to the three comma club is to get to the two comma club, right? That's right. This is hilarious because I think uh, you know Chris talked a gang of crap the first time around. We we talked about NFTs, <laughs> and now he's got an NFT for the Pepcap uh, podcast. So bravo. <laughs> Uh, you know, on that note, I was, uh, I forget what I was looking at the other day, but there's, there's definitely a fundamental problem with NFTs, right? So like, let's say that I have like, I don't know, $35 million in Ethereum or Bitcoin or something like that. And then I decide that I'm going to make my own NFT. So then I'm just going to sell it to myself, right? So I, let's say I take an NFT of, you know, my dog taking a dump on the yard and I pay $35 million in Bitcoin on that. Well, technically money never really exchanged hands, right? So now I have an NFT that on the ledger is worth $35 million, but I still have the money as well, right? I think there's a, there's a gap in some of the thinking on this. Well, you have to pay a commission to whoever helped feel that transaction of $35 million. So you're gonna be out a little bit of money that way, usually about two and a half percent. And then if you sell something to yourself, I would have, you would have to check with your tax guy, but you technically made money on it. That might be taxable. But if you pay yourself, I don't know how that works with taxes. Well, yeah, well, number one, right? Like, I'm not doing this. Number two, ain't nobody paying taxes. Like, this is the whole purpose of decentralized currency is to avoid <laughs> that kind of stuff. So all I know is that now you, in theory, you have $75 million worth of crap, uh, you know, at least in the digital world. Are we going to get beeped out because I said two things like that? Maybe I'll decide what to do with it in post. If you're still listening, that yeah, like ping me. It wasn't really bad words, but I'm sure you put some <laughs> funny audio clip over it. <laughs> so that that's the other thing I want to do is I want to take all of Deech's one-liners and make those NFTs, and then nice. I can sell those and we'll split the profits three ways. There you go. Why my one-liners? What about? Glenn, I've only course. I've only had one time that I've goofed, <laughs> but you've got better one-liners than I do. Definitely <laughs> by far. <laughs> let let us take out the gag reel as well. <laughs> so. yeah, there you go. There you go. I'll, I'll make a gag reel and we'll sell that as an NFT. The Pepcat gag reel. There you go. That should be worth some gold. Real it's gold. Worth, it's worth some ether. It's worth yeah. some ether. All right, well, on to our first topic. We would be doing our listeners a disservice if we did not talk about the log4j or log4shell vulnerability that almost melted down the internet. In my 15 plus years of InfoSec experience, this is the only time that I can recall where we saw a vulnerability receive a CVSS score of 10 
out of 10. There have been plenty really bad no auth remote code execution vulnerabilities rated at 9.8 out of 10. But like scoring in the Olympics, it's truly a black swan event to see a perfect 10 out of 10. In a nutshell, a vulnerability existed in a Java logging platform, which would run arbitrary code just by pasting a string into a website or even renaming your iPhone. That's right, a security researcher renamed his iPhone to a specially crafted string, and he got Apple's iCloud servers behind all their corporate firewalls to run arbitrary code and reach out to his server. I'll let my co-hosts give their take on Log4j or Log4Shell, then I'll pose a philosophical question. So that in itself is terrifying, but really it's the, the you know, the string, right? Like that, that is just parsing, just a variable at the end of the day. And it was the JNDI uh, uh, part of the, the variable in which you could exploit and, and run arbitrary code. The part that th kind of throws me off is that I would think that Apple, of all companies, would have some type of web application security to prevent that. Because at the end of the day, you're, this guy, whatever he, he wrote in his, you know, uh, uh, iPhone. He renamed name, his right? iPhone, like, yeah. Yeah. It, it was most likely a curl, right? Like something browserless, right, that you can run from the command line to pull down some sort of uh, script. And then once you've, you've pulled it down, then you want to run it and then elevate your permissions. You would think that like curl right that's 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 code right like that's an, that's an executable at the end of the day you could catch that really quick and so then like the next next logical thing would be well i need to make sure that i maybe like base in, uh, 64 encode it that way it's not just like clear text but then at the same time like i think just about any basic web application firewall would pick up on that kind of stuff and even in the event that you weren't practically blocking it i would think that at least you'd have a notification on those two things i i would think that those are probably i didn't even check but i would think that those are bo both have to be top 10 OWASP type of attacks that you should be doing for any modern application that's out there today yeah what about something even more simpler like change the name to not be more than 16 characters so that way you can't create super long code right within there i don't know something simple along with of course a web application firewall so wasn't that like a, a limitation with like uh nt domains back in the day like your yeah net net bios or net bios yeah yeah the makers of or the maintainers i should say of log4j so the apache foundation they put out a list of mitigations. Number one, update, 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 update. We cannot stress that enough. Update to the latest version. That's that's not vulnerable. But they said things like having input validation checks. Look for that string, jndi, colon, slash, slash, LDAP, um, whatever that, that string is. Look for that and block that from, from running. But the way that the text strings are are parsed is you can get around that. You, you, you could have like j, then open curly, n, open curly, d, n, d open curly. So an exact match, you'd, you'd probably have to get down to like the, the regex level of matching. And then Glenn, you said make this 16 characters or less. Well, you can work with what you have. I can make a very short domain name, a very short exploit. I could use a URL shortener to, to point to it. So at, at the end of the day, there are things that you can can do to help stop it 
but there are always going to be ways around it. The the really only way to get around this is is update, update, update. I think the coolest part about this vulnerability is that it's running on Java, from what I understand. So it could be Windows, it could be Mac, it could be a phone. It doesn't really even matter, uh, you know, what the what the destination is. If you have, you know, if you profile it, you can probably do some really cool, crafty little things in the background. All I know is that you look at like Apache struts and how bad of a vulnerability that was, and the fact that months later after it was known somebody found it on Experian. i think that's how they that was the front door that got them in equifax. so i think uh yeah what was that chris equifax equifax thank you um so i i think that we're going to see some fallout of this uh you know probably in the march team time frame and if i'm 100 percent right i have nothing to do with it by the way <laughs> and i say this because when when equifax had their hack I had speculated on Google Meets. I said they probably got in from like a, an Apache stress type of vulnerability. And then I hit the nail on the head. I was like, I don't know what anything is. Don't listen to me, guys. But <laughs> I just got lucky. Yeah, some kind of magic crystal ball that you're not telling us about. Probability, right? This one, I just like this one. This is so easy. Like you don't even have to be a rocket scientist to, to do it. You can craft literally anything. Throwing it in the iPhone's uh, name field, that's even more creative. I love that. The other part that I like a lot about this is this bug was actually found during a bug bounty program for the video game Minecraft. So Minecraft was purchased by Microsoft and they ran this this bug bounty program. And Minecraft, it runs on Java and basically some troublemakers were posting some strings in the Minecraft chat and it was running random arbitrary code on people's computers. Like, hey, wait, what happened? How, How did that happen? So the Chinese company Alibaba took a closer look at what was going on with the on these Minecraft servers, and they actually found the vulnerability. So some troublemakers looking to cheat or grief people in Minecraft literally almost broke the internet. That's awesome. Never Glad. underestimate a Minecraft user. Good That's for right. them. But Alibaba, really? They're the ones that did it? Good for them, man. That's yeah. terrifying. Alibaba, Tencent, like they have some legitimate like red team and security researchers that that rival like our our Google teams and Trend Micro teams that they're they have a a really good uh, security research team, which also begs the question, how long did Alibaba know about it and inform the Chinese government before they informed Apache? Because we know for a fact this exploit was being used in the wild before it was publicly disclosed. So I'm not speaking ill about alibaba or anything i just know how politics work in in china i don't know it'd be interesting 20 years <laughs> can we go back and figure out like when they were allowing that string to actually execute it's been in there for a long time i don't remember the exact time but it's been there for a long time and it's it's surprising no one's found it until now was it as bad as shell shock if it was, it was probably almost as bad as shell shock if not worse so actually, I think this, yeah, it's not necessarily a vulnerability in that somebody messed up the code. It, it This was actually a feature. And just like a lot of the really dangerous exploits out there, this was designed as a feature when they created this logging platform. They just never expected it to be posted on the World Wide Web or posted on the open internet and how dangerous that, that could be. But this was actually a legitimate feature. It's just that people are taking advantage of a legitimate feature now they got to remove that feature because i guess it's not as useful as how bad this is for the internet and and for those of you like listening like 
if it was Minecraft, right? I don't know if anyone's actually ever played that, but Minecraft's actually kind of cool in the sense that you can actually like be like a little bit of a script kitty and put in like automation tasks and whatnot. But you literally could have been like, you know, curly bracket, um, you know, JNDI colon uh, CMD.exe send. And then everybody in that chat uh, that's running on that, you know, in that particular, you know, Minecraft world, the, you know, the command prompt would have, would have opened or calc.exe. Like it, it, it is very simple. And that's probably the most terrifying thing about it. If you can find someone that's vulnerable to this, you're going to have a, a there's going to be a heyday. And I think how easy it is is why I got a 10 out of 10 instead of a 9.8. Well, you know, just in time for the Winter Olympics. That's right. <laughs> so my question to the group is more the along the lines of gray hat hacking. A white hat hacker tests security of systems with full permission of the owner to find and disclose vulnerabilities. A black hat hacker hacks into systems without authorization for their own personal gain, such as ransomware or bank theft. So now enter the gray hat hacker. A gray hat hacker hacks into systems without authorization, but for benign reasons. For example, if I were to hack into the server of Doctors Without Borders, they're an international NGO, because they have a vulnerable server and I go in and patch the server for them. I technically broke the law. I'm accessing someone else's system without their permission. However, I'm doing it so that some malicious actor out there does not exploit that vulnerability and do something far worse, such as ransomwareing them or stealing their data. We actually saw this two years ago when MicroTik routers were vulnerable and some gray hat hacker out there was going around and hacking into those vulnerable routers and patching them because he saw that somebody else, some black hat hacker, was building a massive botnet with them and he wanted to stop that from happening. So this guy just went out there and patched everyone's router for them. It's one thing to, you know, breach the the router in this particular use case, but now you're like, you're really into the application. So then you have to start to think like, could they build a botnet out of this with this particular vulnerability? Um, or is it more of a, like if they could, right? Then you have to start, yeah, I think you have to take a step back and look at it and be like, how can you defend against this, right? Like this is a zero day, they can exploit the application, but if they are pulling down like some type of command and control where they can actually take take ownership of this machine, then you start to look at like the east to west type of segmentation and, and how you would do that. And I think that kind of fundamentally comes down to like, what could you do for, for micro segmentation in this particular use case? Because it, it's a, a non, like you don't even have to really have root privileges because you are on the box, right? And so now you're kind of running there as a process. And so if you think about it, if this web server that you're on is now going to connect to like an internal server or database server, how are you how are you going to stop that? Because your firewall isn't going to know the difference between this, uh, you know, the actual system process reaching out versus the, the attacker that's on the box you know, taking advantage of that SQL connection that's there and trying to elevate permissions or if it's reaching out to Active Directory. So you have to look at it and say, there's got to be probably a better way to fingerprint the traffic down to the process level. And that's when you start to get out of layer four and into layer seven type of inspection. What do you guys think? I, I think I agree. That That's, I think, as you see it now, if we, as we talk about things like zero trust and what it means, you know, there's there's zero trust identifying the user and the device and 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 the, and the application. But now we're talking east west zero trust, right? No more of the you know you can create only so many zones, but within a within a zone on in a in a data center, 
that there's a lot of devices. I mean, if you if you look at how they subnet things out, it, it's still a lot of devices that you're leaving open, right? Like, right? I mean, Brian, like if you had a subnet that had 256, you're, I mean, and you tried to subnet each one of those out and you were trying to firewall those, you still have like 250 plus devices that are able to talk and communicate to each other. How do you start making them one by one individual individuals and instead of being part of a group? Yeah, and I think the idea of micro-segmentation is a lot easier said than done because, I mean, it's been out for like 10 years, maybe even 12. I don't even know, right? And I remember looking at it when I was on the customer side, looking at NSX, looking at ACI, and then like, all right, we we have successfully kind of profiled it and then turning over to the application folks and be like, all right, does this look right? And they're like, I have no idea, right? And like, this is for one application. We have 1,200 Right. Like how on earth like this is going to at the best effort, it's going to take us a decade to lock this down, assuming you guys make no changes in the next 10 years. Like it was it was unfeasible. And then that's when you start to look at some of like the host based type of uh, isolation. What do you think, Chris? I think I, I can get behind the gray hats trying to, to do good here that even before we get to the level of infected servers, if I can create a script that when I paste it into a web page, it automatically downloads the newest version of Log4j, it applies the patches and it reboots the server or whatever it needs to, to close this particular vulnerability. Like I can get behind that. Technically it's illegal, but st somebody's committing a crime to stop an even bigger crime from happening. And I think there are, in certain jurisdictions, there's an exception that if you commit a crime to stop a bigger crime from happening, then you're there's sort of this safe harbor there. And I think these gray hat hackers out there that are going into these servers, patching them, and that's all they're doing. They're, they're only doing good things like patching the server. There's there's just going to be this really long tail of servers that just never get updated. There's there's servers out there that people have abandoned. There's servers out there that, that just never get updated. They don't have the capability to or the manpower to. And to have these, these gray hats do that that would then even stop it before it happens. Is that like the equivalent to like my neighbor leaves his garage open. I, I walk into his garage, which is technically trespassing. I hit, I hit the garage button and I quickly run out of his garage door, you know, before the, the door closes. Is that, is that what we're saying here is, Hey, you left something open. We knew it was open. So therefore we closed it and locked it for you. And we quickly escaped before you can even notice. Is that the same? Yeah, that, that would be the same. This is actually pretty similar. So there is some precedence for here in, in the US. We actually talked about it in one of our episodes where after the exchange proxy shell vulnerability came out, I think it was the FBI went in and cleaned up all the web shells <laughs> on these exchange servers. They didn't patch it, but they removed all the bad stuff. They removed all the web shells. And I don't know if they sent a notice or they're hoping people will patch it. But they actually went in and removed a bunch of web shells. There, I don't think there's any precedence for that, but but actually now we do have it. That was the best analogy I think you've ever given, Glenn. Yeah. It's a vigilante. Uh, I like that. I'm, I'm, cyber I'm, vigilante. Yeah, I'm stealing that analogy. <laughs> okay, you got it. It's yours. <laughs> With the garage door. So, so guys, if you had to, let's say that you're bored this week and you have no family, uh, you're just going to drink a bunch of beer, play on the computer all day and create a script to go out there and look for this vulnerability. What are you guys targeting first? What's the first thing that kind of comes to mind? WordPress sites. Yeah. That's what I thought too. Yeah. And I think uh, WordPress released a, a note saying that 
not not subject at least wordpress core isn't now the plugins you know that's up for debate but i think the uh the next likely one would be are you guys familiar with like cpanel yeah yeah that that's actually the one that i would probably go after first yeah you because know. companies like amazon apple's icloud minecraft uh, elastic search log stash keybond like all these services that, that run on it like they, they for the most part they they're, they're done like they got the first notice from apache they have the means and the capability to update and mitigate these types of attacks it's the small guys it's a guy running a blog out of his basement like he needs help patching it these small to medium-sized businesses that have a website they try to build it themselves instead of outsourcing it to uh squarespace like they're the ones that, that need help with this so if it's not all right, so we, so you're gonna you you targeted WordPress first. What would you go after, uh, Glenn? I th- I think WordPress would be exactly where I'd go as well. Yeah. Are you are you saying you would do something differently, Brian? Uh, when I first looked it up, right, because I, I thought the same thing. Like if I if I could kind of gray hat and do stuff, like what would be the first thing that came to mind? It was it was WordPress, but WordPress put something out there that they weren't. Uh, subject to it so then i started thinking well then you have to either go over after a specific plugin and then as i dug a little bit further the next thing logical thing is what else do i use i use cpanel so cpanel is susceptible to it so i, I think i would mm. probably target that and and that's the benefit of having a, a cloud hosted service for security first of all these signatures are updated automatically there's nothing that you have to download you're just automatically protected if you send it through a cloud security service and then also services like Squarespace or or hosted WordPress, like not not roll your own WordPress, but hosted WordPress, they're the ones that proactively apply these patches to you. If you run out of workloads in AWS, well, AWS proactively patch a lot of these things. Now, if you you ran your own log4j in AWS, it's up to you to to, to patch that. But that again, the benefit we have this awesome thing called the cloud. Why not leverage it and always keep it up to date? Imagine the, the the admin right now that is still working in a brick and mortar environment having and they have, you know, thousands upon thousands of these services or servers running and he's got to go in and he has no manual. He, he can only do this manually. Right. He could, he's got a sneaker net this thing. It's got to be daunting. Like I would just quit. Like it's one of those things. Where like this is dumb. I told you guys. I told you we should have found a management server software system. <laughs> I'm quitting. I'm out of here. I'll see you guys later. So. I imagine him with like one of those external CD-ROM drives popping the CD into every server running the Because <laughs> yeah. they don't even have US. Because they don't even have USB on those servers. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. On to our our next topic. Cybersecurity workers and other employees are suffering from a high level of burnout that's putting organizations at greater risk from cyber attacks and data breaches. A combination of the global pandemic, nonstop attacks from state-sponsored attackers, remote work, and endless Zoom meetings has people burning out. I can speak personally that some of the 16 plus hour workdays plus family duties really start taking their toll on you. And I think of myself as still relatively young and more immune to burnout, but there are always days where it's just like that Ben Affleck meme that they have where he's closing his eyes and looking up and smoking a cigarette, just like you need a break from it all. The company 1Password, they did a survey and found out that burned out employees are more apathetic about workplace cybersecurity measures and are three times more likely to ignore suggested best practices. 
the dangerous behaviors include things like downloading and running software without IT's permission, so-called shadow IT, clicking on links when they shouldn't be, and using poor password hygiene. Worse yet, the survey indicated that 84% of security professionals are feeling burned out compared with 80% of other workers. Cybersecurity professionals report being, quote, completely checked out and, quote, doing the bare minimum at work twice as often as their non-cyber counterparts. This is definitely concerning, especially with the uptick in cyber attacks we're seeing around the world. Now is no time to get complacent. Well, there's going to be a whole lot of pissed off cybersecurity guys patching log4j. <laughs> Just to add to that, so you might want to take that number, uh, you know, maybe to, to 90%. But, uh, you know, on your, on, yeah. on your, on your uh, little thing about the, the Ben Affleck meme, I know this is completely off topic, but, you know, like I get cigarettes, right? And if I see somebody that's old smoking a cigarette, like whatever, smoke your cigarette, right? But when I see someone younger than me smoking a cigarette, I'm like, are you stupid? Like, like I don't understand like how anybody under 40 years old would actually be smoking a cigarette, but there's people out there that still do. Like it, it blows my mind. I see it at the grocery store all the time. I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, you are probably like 23 years old. Like, I, I just don't get it. Let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> what about vaping? Is that the same? Just I don't know. Better. I never vaped. I see a lot of vaping too, but the smoking one always throws me off. Like just because at least the vape, like at least you don't smell like an ashtray, right? Yeah. 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 Still has the health hazards of nicotine, but without all those cancer causing materials in it. So we think, right? Maybe there will be. Yeah, true. So we think, yeah. We can't put, we can't put that on LinkedIn later. Like <laughs> does <vaping laughs> and get shadow banned cancer? again. Yeah. Shadow banned again. <laughs> I guess I'm trying to understand this statistic here, right? It's like, so cybersecurity folks have a higher chance of getting burnt out simply because of the work they do. Um, yeah, the stress, the pressure. The stress. I mean, do you guys feel the same? I mean, I know I've, I've felt stress this last, you know, two years now with COVID, right? It's, it's, it's probably even worse now than ever, but... I still enjoy what I do. I enjoy working with you guys. I enjoy talking about it. It's it's still a good passion of mine to, to educate people and see how things go and kind of save the world a little bit here. What do you guys think? I think there's varying degrees of that because when during the pandemic, I mean, we were definitely working really hard, really long hours, uh, trying to safeguard people and enabling them to work remotely from home in a, in a secure fashion. But there were, there were other stresses, like people in the hospitality industry, people in the service industry, they didn't know where their next paycheck was going to come from. They, would, they didn't even know if they would even work again. Uh, so I think they deal with a different level of stress. But at least for us, you know, we were fortunate enough to, to have our jobs and to work in a field that was exploding during the, the pandemic. And we experienced a different kind of stress of being able to get everything done that we needed to and being able to help our customers, help the people uh, that need to be able to work remotely so that they still have a job that they can still do uh, securely from home. See, I'm, I'm a little bit different. Like, I think I thrive in chaos. So like, uh, whether it was COVID or it is the log4j, like, I, I'm just like, man, this is opportunity for me just to like, really geek out and be a nerd and really enjoy it. Like, as, as bad as COVID is, right, I'll be the one person that will actually say it. I, I loved it for the sheer fact that I was traveling a lot 
And when I got into lockdown, I was forced to stay at home. And like, I literally got to be a part of my kids' life to a degree that I never would have been had I been traveling a lot more. So for me, I actually enjoyed the uh, the stay at home. I, now I feel bad for people like that were working in hospitality that were wondering, like, you know, they're living hand to mouth trying to figure out where their next meal is going to come from. That part sucked, right? But as far as, you know, my vertical, uh, you know, the last couple of years have been great for me. So, Brian, you hit on a point. There's a, an old Chinese proverb that says, if you look in the Chinese language, when you write down the word crisis, it actually, it's two words put together that make the word crisis. The first word is danger, and the second word is opportunity. So, in Chinese culture, they knew that with every crisis came danger, but also came opportunity. That's there was definitely a lot of opportunity. For sure. <laughs> I, I mean, heck, look, you're finding some opportunity and some NFTs here, Mister. I was against right. it at first. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, preemptive offers to stop the bidding. Yep, yep. That's it. So episode 39, guys. We're talking about NFTs again. I just like I. I honestly think that cybersecurity, like, if you're in cybersecurity, I think you. I'm surprised to hear that anybody can actually get burnt out. I think you the only way that you got into this is that you you fell in love with researching stuff and you when all your friends were going out on a Friday night and they're drinking and and hooking up and doing different things you were sitting at your computer and next thing you know it was Monday morning you had to go back to work like that's that's how my life was like I just I loved it and enjoyed it so I don't know I, I'm a little bit different though I, I like a challenge I, I think what was different for me though is you know traveling and I knew when I was in travel mode, I, I travel. And if I spent up all night, you know, staying at a hotel away from the families because I knew I was doing that. And it, it only lasted maybe three to four days of the week. Right. But now when you're doing it at home and you're spent, you're staying up, you know, till midnight looking at things and your family sitting there in the next room. I think that's where a little bit of the, the, the mindset changes a little bit. Right. So. Yeah, I, I love the fact that I'm home more, but I hate the fact that I'm home and I'm in another room and still can't spend time with them. Be unavailable. Yeah. yeah, it's like you're there, but you're not there, unfortunately. My wife will, every once in a while, like we'll be sitting at dinner and she's like, hey, uh, do you want to go back to work? Because you're not here. I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm right here. She's like, you are not here. Your mind is somewhere else. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm writing an email in my head. Let me uh, let me shift <laughs> gears. That way I can focus on what's important. He's, he's thinking of the next NFT. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you guys are, are good partners and know each other well. That's it. That's it. And I can see that between the two of you. I can totally see that. Yeah. So. And I think everyone's built a little differently. Like like Brian, you, you thrive in crisis and you thrive in times of uh, that are that are difficult. And I, I think of when, when I talk to prospects, when I talk to my, my customers and they said, oh, well, you know, uh, today I've got to patch this. I'm going to be up until 12 a.m. doing this. You know, tomorrow I've got this switch cut over because we're replacing our switches. The day after that, this exchange bug came out. I have to replace all the boxes. And yeah, I, I can see how that can grind on people, on, especially on the, the customer mm -hmm. side when they're just overworked and underpaid. There's just not enough people trained in cybersecurity to fill all the openings that they have right now. Definitely a great industry to get into, right? If you're if you're needed that much and have you can go from job to job because they just have that many openings. Yeah, life life is good. We're in high demand for sure. It's not nineteen oh nine, you're not a horse trader, right? Like there's 
you're not behind the curve when you're in cybersecurity, that's for sure. Uh, that or 1940 selling yellow pages and, <laughs> and white pages. <laughs> I guess I'll close on this. Uh, some A quote that I read that seems to ring pretty true in cybersecurity and cloud and everything. They, they said, the carriage makers did not become the car makers. It took a completely different mindset. Like, you, 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 the goal was not to build a better carriage. The goal was to get rid of the carriage and build a car. We're seeing that with the cloud, right? People are trying to take their crappy next generation firewalls and, and uh, virtualize them, throw them up there and say it's the same thing as cloud native. This is not. Yeah, I, I would agree with you that with with on that on that topic as well. So maybe that's something we could talk about architecturally, why people say they're cloud native, but all, really all they did was just put the code in the cloud and how fundamentally that's different. So born in cloud is, yeah. is the way to be. Absolutely. We continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, Glenn is up. All right, guys. Since it's Christmas, I had to have something out there, just specifically uh, uh, around a Christmas joke here. So how is Christmas exactly like your job? How's that? You do all the work and some fat guy in a suit gets all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, Jay's not fat. <laughs> <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. And very appropriate for the holiday time frame. Darn you, Santa. You get the credit for a brand new iPhone. <laughs> or iWatch. Or watch. Or what it, yeah, Apple Watch, Apple not watch. iWatch. <laughs> I keep saying iWatch. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> so. I actually get to, uh, never mind, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> say it. All oh, right. come on now. You can't leave us with that, Brian. Well, no, it's, it's, it's just one of these weird things. I'll just say a family member, when they had their first kid, they're like, yeah, we're not doing Christmas. We're not going to, you know, it's false expectations and, and Santa, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, that's weird. You know, you, you do you. And then uh, I got a video of my nephew meeting Santa Claus and, you know, just the sheer excitement. I was like, wait a sec. I, I so badly just wanted to write back. I thought, I thought Santa Claus wasn't real. You guys were going to do that whole, whole charade. But uh, yeah, anyways, my, my nephew, Lewin, he looked nice. ear to ear, giggles and happiness. All right. To wrap things up, LinkedIn has unshadow banned me. The Pebcac podcast has officially gone NFT. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to stay up to date on what we are up to over the break. Log for Shell had the potential to literally break the internet, and we think that gray hat hackers should protect those vulnerable servers. Employee burnout is real and posing a serious security threat to companies. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Shout out to Chris A, who reached out to us with some fan mail. Thanks for listening. We definitely appreciate it. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. And you can help us grow the podcast by telling somebody else about it. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rated us five stars in the iTunes store and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the PebCAC podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. Have a very Merry Christmas. We'll see you all next week. And as always, have a nice day. Thanks, everyone. Have a great Merry Christmas. Christmas.